0: Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. Good brunch. brunch. Welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. <laughs> you know, what's really what's really funny is two weeks ago, I was just like, we finally got this wording down and I just realized that I'm buggered it all up. No, we, I think I was supposed to say good morning. I don't know. I forgot already. Oh, I mean, we don't
1: really have a script. We just got into a <laughs> no, rhythm. Super, in case you guys were wondering, we don't have a
0: script. Are you sure we don't have a script? God, can you imagine? Oh, my God. And this week on Nurse Coffee Talk, <laughs> <laughs> my friend sent me this,
1: uh, a screenshot of a text. It was, you know, shared uh-huh. around the internet, of course. But it uh-huh. was like, good morning, my my sweet princess. Like, how are you today? I can't wait to see you and kiss your sweet face or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, can you imagine? But good morning, bitch. What are you up to? <laughs> That's funny.
0: I prefer the good morning bitch. What do you up to? Same. Way more authentic. <laughs> so authentic. Although, and maybe we've talked about this before. I was reading somewhere where when men give each other like nicknames like that, they call each other like chief and bro and what's, what's some other ones that they, they... They use words that like elevate them to a uh-huh. higher level. And when women do it, they call each other like bitch slut, whore. And like they degrade each well, other. That's almost like we all have
1: deep internalized misogyny within every word that comes out of our mouths.
0: Weird. We're like, what up, bitches? It's like we're <laughs> bringing each other down. Well, and men use
1: those words to degrade one another.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like pussy, yeah, exactly. bitch. What else do they use? I feel like those are the main ones that I hear.
1: Yeah. Yep. Although at least we don't say what a
0: pussy to each other.
1: It's yeah! Right, oh my god! Can you
0: imagine? But I could definitely be like, "Stop being such a pussy." Yeah, sure. <laughs> but we should we should start being like, "Stop being such a penis." Stop being such a penis. <laughs> oh my god, that just took me back to. Have you ever seen the movie? um Oh shit! What the hell is it? Five Hundred Days of Summer because that's what I was thinking about. (laughs) No, no, no! It's with Cameron Diaz. Oh my god, who else is in it? That girl, Selma Blair, Christina Applegate. It takes place in San Francisco. Fuck! What the hell is that movie called? Give me more information about it. Oh my god! They're girls and they're like on the dating scene, and Cameron Diaz meets The sweetest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And there, there's a song that they sing, and it's like, my penis is so big. My <laughs> penis is so large. you remember that? <laughs> that just reminded me of that. When anyway. I went to go get
1: my vaccine, my friend started singing shots to me. Shops. Shots. Shots. You probably were, this This was like my high school to college, so probably you were not super tapped into the club scene at that time. Oh, probably. how does it go? Well, it actually has a lot more meat to the song than you would expect, but the chorus is simply shots, 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 everybody. Shot, <laughs> shot, 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 shots. Okay. <laughs> um but the rest of I need of the song a tune is... with that. Can you see? <laughs> shot shots, shot, shots, shot, shots, shots, shots. It's there's no tune, like it's just that. <laughs> there's no tune. But the rest of it is basically like I like how these bitches suck my cock when I buy them shots. Oh, interesting. And I was like, Is that what you is that what you mean when you're telling me to go get some shots? Is that what you want? Yeah,
0: basically. That's why dudes buy us drinks, everybody. Yeah. Saying. Fun fact. If you think otherwise, you are wrong. <laughs> Which really is really just prostitution. Our dating scene is just prostitution. That's true.
1: All the more reason to destigmatize sex work
0: and make it legal.
1: Well, I guess if people are choosing it for themselves, Correct. that's one thing. Well, even if they weren't, though. And they were being unethically put in that position. They would have access to health care and
0: help and things like that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that's a whole other whole other podcast. Topic. Oh, my God. Whose podcast well, are we on? <laughs> not ours. I don't know. <laughs> Where's my script? That doesn't sound like a script we have. <laughs> we got to take it back. <laughs> Reel it in. Oh, you were talking about vaccines, so you got your second COVID shot? I did. How are you feeling? Not my best. Yeah? Not my best, but... I've heard the second vaccination is a killer. I heard that too, so
1: I was prepared for it, but I also heard that depending on blood type, they're seeing stronger reactions with certain blood types. Really? And that's also true of actual COVID symptoms.
0: Well, I mean, that research is TBD because... It's all TBD, yeah. That's... Well, that's what they were saying, like, you know the end of April, they were like, yeah, certain blood types are, you know, getting really a lot sicker with, when they get COVID. But really, it's just, it's, the research doesn't really support that. I also think that
1: statistically, there's more. Now, do I have any, this is a, this is just a feeling. This is not based on anything. But statistically, isn't O more common? I don't know. I thought A positive
0: was like one of the most common. Well, what the fuck do I know? I don't know. But I don't know. We don't know. Don't even listen Never to our mind. podcast anymore. We don't it. even know what or- <laughs> talking about but all that to be said
1: i in the back of my mind was like oh because i have o positive blood so i was like oh well maybe that will mean that i'm not gonna have any kind of like reaction my mom has is o positive she didn't have a reaction like my second one either to the second one either my friend who went o positive or o negative i think he is didn't have any reaction i was like well i mean anecdotally for my personal life that seems to be true but alas i laid in bed last night with a fever And full Mm -hmm. head-to-toe body aches. And I was
0: like, this is what they were talking about. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about getting fevers with the second one. Yeah, which, I mean, it went away. I took Motrin. I'm fine. You know what? That's what happens with fevers. I didn't get a placebo, clearly. So that's great. (laughs) Oh, my God. My friend who uh, is doing her NP clinical at Urgent Care was talking about how they tell people who come in with COVID symptoms, like, to take Tylenol and not Motrin. And I was like, you're still recommending that? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, the research doesn't really support that, right? And she's like, look... My preceptor is telling me to say this. What am I going to argue with my preceptor? I was like, yeah, you should 100% tell your preceptor that she doesn't have the Any proper medical information. Any to support this, yeah. <laughs> she, you just, like, let her know, like, look, the standards don't really support this anymore. And she goes... What was goes, the rationale for that? Well, it was when COVID first came out, they thought that the Motrin... Now, I'm not saying this entirely correctly, so everybody forgive me, but it's something along the lines of the Motrin was causing, like, more inflammation. Or something like that, oh. um, or it was like That's suppress, weird. or it was maybe it was suppressing the inflammatory response more, so it was causing a worsening of the symptoms or something. I it was along going to be those about microemboli for a second, but I, I well, see where you're going with this? I mean, it it could... Well, even... I don't know. It was something along those lines. It could have even been micro I don't really even know, but nonetheless... Fine. Regardless, it's not true. That whole train of thought has kind of left the station, and yeah. people are like, well, we thought it was going that route, but it's not really, so... Like, the doctors are saying it's fine to take Motrin now and things like that, so I'm telling her, I'm like... I'm like, no, you need to tell them that like, like, don't go educate your patient that they can't take Motrin. Like, that's not the most recent evidence. And she's like, I am not in my clinical telling my preceptor that they're wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you? And she's like, you would go into your clinical and tell your preceptor that they're wrong. And I'm like, absolutely. There's nobody that Jamie wouldn't tell they were wrong if they were wrong. (laughs) You, well, you're giving out wrong information to patients. Wrong. Oh, my God. Well, you're you're just educating. See, then those people go home and they tell their, f- yes, their friends. Yes, you're educating them. That's like being
1: like, if you have chest pain, don't worry. It's not serious. Everyone has chest pain from time to time. Right. No worries.
0: Just, just stay just home stay and tough home. it out.
1: Oh, you have a like, history of a STEMI? Even more. Often people have unrelated chest pain. You're cool. Yeah, I
0: mean, so... It- You know, yes. So apparently I'm a big dick and I would tell somebody if they were wrong, even if they're my boss. They need to know. Well, I think they need education. Actually, (laughs) one time... I had a doctor who was insistent upon doing a head scan on a pediatric patient that had no symptoms, uh-huh. and I I went and looked up all the Pcarns information, which is like the pediatric I don't even know what PCARN stands for, but it's the assessment scale that they use to de- that the doctors use to determine whether a CT scan is not appropriate on a child if the benefits outweigh the risk. Sure. And this doc was like insistent upon scanning this kid's head, and I was like, this kid doesn't have symptoms. He's a Alert and oriented like what this was, was like rationale? a four. This was like a four-year-old. Oh, I don't re- I don't even remember the situation, but I was like, "Do not put this kid through the scanner." And he was insisting upon putting the kid through the scanner. So I went and printed out like the like the AMA <laughs> article and like like gave it to him, like highlighted it and presented it to him. I was like, "Here's why you shouldn't be scanning this kid's head." <laughs> like, oh my God, that's incredible. Did he do it? Yes, he did scan the kid's head, but I was not happy about it and. Well, you did your due diligence. As I did what I could patient. do, man. Yeah. I know he was probably like more wanting to scan the because he's like, yeah, I know I really don't want to scan the kid's head, but I need to. I'm like, for what? Literally, no, you don't. Literally, you're. I'm so like, stay. I'm like, keep the kid here for eight hours and just watch him. Like, don't scan this kid's you head. Don't and fry his into, brain
1: to like huge amounts of radiation
0: for no reason. I know it's crazy. Anyway, oh. I'm hot today, man. I'm hot. <laughs> I'm spicy. That's how I like you. <laughs> I like me that way, too. All right. So moving on, you had something you wanted to talk about. I do. So we had a we had a
1: listener right in. And I thought it was interesting what she said, so I wanted to hear your thoughts on it too.
0: I can't wait. I'm spicy, so I don't know if we're getting (laughs) off on the right foot.
1: Buckle up. Here we go, everyone. (laughs) So this is from V. Hi, V. And they say, well, they said hello from Australia. So on my follow-up message, I said- Love me some Aussies. Would love to hear some nursing info from Australia. Mm -hmm. And they said, as a first year, I don't see a lot of difference yet. But one thing that stood out so far is our quote duty of c- of care unquote. So if someone with medical training is on board a plane, etc., we have a duty of care and legally have to assist, otherwise we can recine- receive a hefty fine. What? So they're legally obligated with any medical care to treat patients in a public setting that's what i'm getting from that
0: you know what's really interesting about that is like there's australia demanding that anybody with qualifications intervene and then you have america with its good samaritan laws the that is just like, place in the world I, that is like okay if you help someone in good faith We'll just protect you because you were doing it out of the goodness of your heart. So, like, they can't file a lawsuit. Yeah, if you don't successfully you.
1: save them, or you crack a rib when you're trying to do compressions or something, which
0: you a hundred percent will. will. So. yeah, if you're doing them right, you should be cracking some ribs. Oh my god. Oh, uh, when can we go to Australia? <laughs> well,
1: or or the opposite is, is it true that because here does the Good Samaritan Act protect you if you don't do anything? No it's not, it doesn't apply, right?
0: No, but then you're just not involved,
1: but yeah, we then certainly not don't. Involved. I do, I do
0: wonder how Australia is tracking down people that could have helped and. Yeah, th- I mean, that's them. true. Maybe they have surveillance cameras everywhere. Oh boy. Yeah. Maybe it's like person of
1: interest. I mean, who, who knows? I'm sure there's a variety of ways, especially if you were a witness to some sort of accident or something and then they find out through that process what you do. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't know.
0: Whatever. I'll save people all day I always tell my
1: sister when we're out and about, I'm like, I'm not a nurse when we're out of here. So don't be telling people that.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, though, you're lying to yourself because you 100% are. Because if something went down, you would step in. I know. I just don't want to. I know. But you would because that's what nurses do. Mm-hmm. That's who nurses are. That's true. It was so funny. So my daughter is in gymnastics and she has a meet this weekend and it's a home meet and we have to volunteer for X amount of hours, you know, at the home meet. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for the first aid station because you have to be first aid certified. And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm actually first aid certified, but I think being an ER <laughs> I'm nurse qualifies me.
1: an ER nurse. So like, I think I can handle whatever <laughs> comes up over here
0: sprained
1: <laughs> ankle right. and right. asthma attack.
0: So... So I, um, well, actually, an asthma attack at the gym would be terrible because I don't have any resources there. What am I going to do? Well, that's true.
1: If if they didn't have an inhaler, which I would hope that they would. Yeah.
0: So anyway, well, I'm so used to just being like, okay, duo nubs all around. Everyone gets a duo nub. (laughs) So anyway... So I'm sitting on the first aid table because obviously, apparently, this is the most cushy job because rarely do people get hurt. Mm. So they're like, you'll just pass out ice and Band-Aids if people need it. And then if anything more serious happens, you know, we got to file an incident report, whatever. They'll be fine. So I'm sitting on the table and I'm like two hours into my first aid station. And the owner comes up to me and she goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know, and I don't think anything'll happen but just in case that we do have an AED machine and I look right at her I go, "Lady, I knew where that AED machine was the first day I stepped foot in this gym." Yeah, sure did. <laughs> like I was like, "Where's the AED <laughs> in case I ever
1: need it?" Oh man. I know I always spot them like when I'm walking through an airport because they're most oh, yeah, spread out and
0: stuff so I'm always kind of like keeping yeah. around just to see
1: where things are.
0: You're like how close am I to the AED if I go into a rest right now? <laughs> I
1: mean just in case I don't know.
0: I know like I ate a lot of bacon this morning like is there an AED around? <laughs> I'm about to be in a closed <laughs> confined space. Oh my god all right well um
1: do we have anything else we need to discuss up front? So I got a follow-up Instagram. Okay. So remember the last episode we talked about that patient of mine that was uh, delisted for transplant after we, like, moved him across the country and made him wait Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. how fired up I was about it. Yes. So this person writes in. I'm just going to give you a synopsis. You know, do you want me to? I okay. can read it. I can just read it.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's fine.
1: So this is from Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. Jay says, I have a story in response to your story about the transplant patient from last week. Okay. We had a patient who was going to get a dual heart and lung heart and liver transplant
0: they had what is it wait when you say dual does that just mean heart and liver correct a dual transplant okay
1: they called the patient down for the transplant put the heart in and while the surgeon was literally finishing up putting in the heart the liver transplant team decided that the risk was too high and they weren't going to give the patient the liver
0: what so they just had like somebody's liver sitting there (laughs)
1: They closed the patient up, sent them out to the ICU, and the patient,
0: of course, promptly died a few weeks later. (gasps) Wait, I don't understand. So, like, wait, they had a liver sitting there, though. That's what it sounds like. And they felt it was too risky. It's a little late. So, I, wait, but the patient was in liver failure anyway, right? So, I don't understand how they thought the heart transplant would be successful. I mean, that's exactly right. (laughs) What or the were f- they just like basically sentencing this patient to death by? Well, they were. Him up. They absolutely. So she goes on to say. See, I'm not transplant fluid. Forgive I me. Know.
1: She goes on to say, the pa- it turns out the patient really needed the liver more than the heart, and the heart was the heart issues were directly because of the liver issues. Mm. The liver team had decided the risk was too high, and they were going to potentially quote risk their accreditation unquote, <gasps> and therefore didn't want to have this patient's mortality affect their numbers. Wait, the fan- so
0: it, wait, do the accreditations in this country all happen at the same time? Like, <laughs> well, the, I mean, for God's
1: sake, like that, I don't know. I guess we need to look into this and do a transplant episode because I only know swatches of things. But yeah, sure. The So let me, let me summarize. The patient's open on the table you accepted him and listed him for a heart and a liver the heart's already done uh-huh and then they still have the power to deny the liver Dude, we're already
0: too far here. That heart could have gone to somebody else if you were going to just let the patient die. Well, and add to the summarization, there's a fucking liver sitting there. So... I mean, they can
1: put that on ice and give it to an, the next person on the list, because they always do have, like, people Can they? Up. Yeah,
0: but can... I mean, there's a time clock that that's on.
1: There is, but I think certain organs have longer time clocks.
0: Well, kidneys have a long time, but I don't know how much liver has. I, well, liver needs blood.
1: I mean, you're right, but maybe, I mean... I I don't I can't speak to what happened, of course, to that. But oh, my God,
0: I don't like this. You literally
1: lost the right to say no when you opened the patient and put another organ in their chest. It's too late. I don't care whether or not you care about the numbers on an ethical human fucking
0: level. That is unacceptable. You know, the the unfair thing is we don't know the other side of the story, which is like, I mean, they obviously had a reason they were they decided not to do this. Like something was going on that they did not feel like it was safe to put this liver in somebody. Sure, but I,
1: I mean, yes, I of course that's true, but like that heart could have gone to somebody else who was going to survive. Well, so could that liver have. That's two organs. And and maybe it did, maybe it didn't, I don't know. But like you you're talking I mean, it's regardless, like Ugh. insane. It's insane.
0: You know what's what's interesting is growing up, I always had this like very like rainbow type perspective of transplants. Well they they their PR
1: is great. People do whoever yeah. runs the PR for organ transplant they're doing a great job yeah you know when you're 16 you get to pick whether or not you're going to be a donor when you get your license
0: yeah even as
1: nurses they're like gift of life and like i don't my experience with the gift of life has been that people are very nice yeah and working i you know my first bedside work was a kidney and liver transplant floor Mm -hmm. and it was very hopeful and lovely and scary, but, like, it's a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And often people were donating their organs, which is so positive and, and wonderful. And the generosity of the human spirit and the resilience of the human condition. And, like, they have groups where they all get together and talk about their new organs and, co- you know, coping with one another. And, like, all these great things. New lease on mm-hmm. life, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like anything else, you dive into it a little deeper. And, of course, it's not all rosy and sweet. Nothing is. Yeah. Marriages. Marriages. Aww. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone married is like, the fuck? No, it's not. What are you literally talking about? <laughs>
0: oh, God. I crack myself up. <laughs> On that note, let's take a word from our sponsors. Kim Caps' premier scrub cap company was started by a surgical nurse who was frustrated by feeling uncomfortable and ugly in the disposable fiberglass hats at work. Sixteen years later, thousands of happy customers worldwide stay cute and comfortable all shift long with her affordable signature creations. No matter how many layers of PPE you wear, you can still express yourself with 11 different styles and dozens of constantly updating choices at KimCaps.com. Nurse Coffee Talk listeners get an exclusive coupon code for 20% off your favorite Kim Cap, and free shipping if you add a second cap to your order. Simply enter the code NURSE at checkout. That's kimcaps.com. Code NURSE. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for listening. And make sure you check out Kim Caps. Use code NURSE to get some discounts on some scrub caps, which okay. are super cute. Everybody loves a scrub cap. I feel like there should be a song with like a jingle. <laughs> we could run a Kim jingle. KimCaps. Caps. Kim Caps, everybody get your Kim Caps. Or we could make it a rap song.
1: Please don't do that.
0: I can't beatbox, but (laughs) I can rap to a tune of Hamilton. Oh, well, exactly. Let's rewrite all of Hamilton, but all about medical stuff. Oh my god, that would be amazing. That would be so fun. I think we could enlist Z Dog MD to do that. Oh a thousand percent. I bet we could probably get the
1: original cast to do it for us.
0: Oh my god, that would be so fun. As like a hey, tribute to heroes. Yeah, shout out <laughs> oh. God, oh stop. <laughs> I am not throwing away my shot. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Told you I was spicy today. You, you know. Everybody grab a burrito because I got your sauce. I'm sitting in a room, you know, in my podcast
1: closet, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't turn on any lights because when we started recording, it was daytime. Oh, okay. And very slowly, it's gotten, of course because this is how time and sunsets work, it's gotten darker and darker and I'm like <laughs> practically in the dark facing the inside of this closet, just like, boop boop. boop Well, do you want to take a timeout and turn
0: on I a mean, light? No, I guess like, I, I don't technically gotta... need lights on to do this. <laughs> guess what? You can still hear in the dark. Sure can. <laughs> oh my God. You're such a nerd. All right. Well, listen, we're going to get into today's topic, which today we're going to talk about rapid response teams. I love rapid response teams. They're fun. Oh, um, are, are you on some? Well, as a nursing supervisor, I do have to respond to them, but mm-hmm. I've been on rapid response teams before. Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me, befo- tell me uh, some of your experiences. Like what I've responded to? No, but like, because the whole point of us talking about this is who should be on them? What are barriers to calling them? Some pros and cons? Oh. How can we improve relationships and things?
0: Let me first say that in addition to like having experience with them, Also, did some research on them during my master's program. So, yeah. So, there was an amazing case study done. Uh, that utilize rapid response teams in a different kind of way. And I, this is too many years ago for me to cite the actual research. So if anybody that was on this research is listening, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. But what they did was they had a designated rapid response team, which not all places have designated response teams. So where I'm at right now, which is small community hospital, right? We don't have enough rapid rapids that happen to just have a team of people sitting around getting paid. Sure. So when a rapid response gets called, we have the ICU charge nurse, an additional ICU nurse, the charge nurse of whatever unit that's called, the nurse caring for the patient, the house physician, the nursing supervisor, and one of the ER nurses respond with a rapid sequence intubation kit mm, okay, in case we need that. Okay. So that's like who responds to our team's But they're all people that hold other roles, right? And they're doing other jobs. So they're actively working and they're being pulled away from what they're doing. Yes.
1: To do this. Okay. Correct. I can see how that could potentially cause some drama.
0: Problems. Yeah. So then, there's other places like where you and I worked together, where I mean, we had like a rapid team, a code team, a lift team, a yes. like a scratch yeah. your ass team. Yeah, like, exactly. was, <laughs> I mean, you had like a team for everything there. Yeah. So you had like a team to just call the teams. Like it was. Ugh. Anyway, you know, different places do it different ways. But this particular place that uh, this case study was done was a place that had a designated team, meaning they were free from other responsibilities. So what they had them do, is, I I don't know. I think it was a team of two or three nurses, and what they did was they utilized them to be more than just a response to rapids. So these nurses did proactive rounding on all patients of new grads, Oh, all patients of nurses who were within three months of their orientation to the unit. So these nurses would come in and they would get a rounding list. Wow. And they would round on all these patients. And That sounds like a lot of legwork for whoever was collecting that
1: information.
0: Uh, I don't think, like, I mean, you could if, call every I guess unit it depends. Like, on what...
1: Who do you have that's new? And what are their patients?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how big your hospital is too, you know. And so these nurses would round on the patients and just check in on them and stuff. The rapid response nurses, and there was more than one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, so there was two or three of them. But they would also provide education to nurses, Mm -hmm. so they were available 24-7 to be consulted for anything and like questions that nurses had so not like how do i do this but like hey my patient's doing this and i feel concerned so as like a preemptive before yeah, like, it gets could to, turn to the point of a problem
1: if we don't address yeah, it, what do you right. suggest
0: i do Exactly. Or like, can you just come put eyes on the patient or whatever? And then they would continuously round and just, they would be like the face of rapid response, the face of education for like deteriorating patients and things like that. So that it eliminated some of the barriers to calling a rapid response, which let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. There's several barriers That nurses face when calling a rapid response. And one of the main barriers is that people are afraid if they call a rapid response and it turns out to be nothing. Yeah, they're afraid of looking foolish in front of nurses they view often,
1: or at least those nurses certainly do, as a higher caliber
0: Right. Sure. Well, and I think that is the culture set in the hospital is I know 100% that some of my ICU nurses that respond to codes when they return to their unit, they're like, there was no reason that was needed to be called. Yeah. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Why do you have to be like that? First of all, why do you think you're so high and mighty? Like, I would rather you call a rapid every single time you're concerned and be wrong then not call a rapid and be wrong. Well, first of all, that, the ego of suggesting that we shouldn't be trying to keep our patients safe when we aren't sure about what's
1: going on. Right. And also the, I think the perspective and privilege of people who work in an ICU setting and have a billion resources, resources. and knowledge base at their fingertips, let alone their physicians right there who can, you know, dive into things with them mm-hmm. and different levels of autonomy and all these different things. Like I had plenty of rapids that were called on patients because partially because you can't get hold of the goddamn doctor. Yeah. And you've been trying all night to try and address some things, and you can't get an order, and you can't get a hold of anybody, and it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll have to come in the hospital when the patient codes. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know.
0: Yeah. You don't have as much available to you, let alone, honestly, the knowledge base. That's not doing the right thing for the patient either. Like, that's another issue, which is, like, I have also responded to rapids where the only reason the rapid has been called is because we need some kind of order that the admitting physician is unwilling to give or, like, they're not answering their phone or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so you have to call a rapid to get the house physician there so that the house physician can give you the order that you need. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's so inappropriate. Inappropriate on a physician level. Correct. Correct. Not inappropriate for a nurse to
1: call that. No, it's an appropriate response to a patient need.
0: Yeah. Like we have... Our listenership, I think, I mean, we have listeners literally across the spectrum, like from CNA to nursing student to new grad to, like, 20-year ICU nurse. Like, right. I mean, we have everything. OB nurses, L&D nurse, or. L&D is the same. Um, pediatric, we have like a really <laughs> wide array of listenership. So like, I want to set the precedent right now that I feel like you should always call it rapid if you're concerned about a patient, period.
1: Well, and the same thing with You know, what we talked about the last episode of nurses um, being afraid to tell doctors about a change in status.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh Listen,
1: you have to do right by your patient and take your Mm -hmm. own ego and feelings out of it. You have to do Mm -hmm. right by your patient. And so Mm -hmm. if you have a feeling, often a bad feeling is enough to look for a second opinion, maybe not call a rapid, but to discuss with somebody. You don't need to feel ashamed for being worried about your patient. If you try and do right by your patient, you are in the right and shove anything else up their ass if they have a feeling about, like, if they have some kind of negative feeling about that. That's insane.
0: Well, I will tell you, on my research on rapid response teams, the research shows that people that called rapids because they had a gut feeling were almost always right. Oh, I for sure have done that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're like, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. Something's not right with this patient. Yeah. But that's where, like, this case study that utilized these These rapid nurses, as like that, did the pro—I don't want to say prophylactic rounding. They did—I, I I don't know. They did rounding on patients. What is preempt? I
1: mean, prophylactic. I mean, in case. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Preemptive rounding. I don't. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, they served as that resource where a nurse could just call them and be like, instead of calling a rapid overhead, they could just call this nurse and say. I just don't feel right about this patient. Can you be a second set of eyes for me? Yeah. And those nurses would come down and see the patients and they were, they were, the nurses were always right. And like the rapid team was able to intervene even before a rapid needed to be called right so they were able to prevent it and that's something that like it's really hard to measure because if you you know like you you and i talked about like if you never have to call the rapid then how do you document that you saved them from a rapid you decreased your number of rapids you know i mean yeah right it's really hard to like because would the rapid have happened if you intervened it's kind of like to prove that something is effective by the lack of something
1: is very very difficult yeah we talked about that with vaccines
0: Right for sure. So
1: I don't know that that's interesting. I think if a place has the resources to do something like that that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, that's nurses supporting other nurses mm-hmm. and understanding that when you're new there are things that will be missed and unknown and you don't even know that it's a problem you don't even know to look out for it and that there are times when you can't rely on the staff of your unit to help you if everyone else is drowning and things mm-hmm. are busy and like to have a, just another like nursing's a team sport we always say that like just to have another yeah. set of eyes it's great. One thing I would like to touch base on is your team that they aren't designated like they're designated rapid response nurses, but they're not only there for that. Do you think that there's an increase in like pettiness about whether or not something really needed to be called because they were taken away from another job?
0: Um, I don't I'm sure that's a possibility of it. But at the same... Like, for example, like, my ICU nurses or my ICU charge nurse doesn't take a patient assignment. Mm -hmm. So they're not being called away. But, like, when I was assigned to Rapid, when I worked in the ICU... I had a patient load and if a rapid was called, I just went and somebody watched my patient Mm -hmm. and like a rapid, it's not like you're there for hours. I mean, you're either stabilizing the patient or you're moving them to a higher level of care. So, I mean, you should be done with a rapid in like no more than 30 to 45 minutes. Like if you're, if you have to intubate somebody at the bedside and transfer them over, you might be down there for 45 minutes. But beyond that, like, that's the longest you're at a rapid. You're not, it's a, it's a rapid. You know, you, you're not there for a significant period of time. You're just trying, you are making the determination, is this patient able to be stabilized here mm-hmm. or do they need transfer to higher level of care? And once they're transferred to higher level of care, the rapid team doesn't really need to stay involved in that. I mean, you no, certainly could stay involved I in say that, that to help out, but some of my
1: experiences have been that rapids can linger on for a while because, maybe because no one, whether it, you know remember i worked night shift so i'm having inexperienced doctors mm-hmm. which was great actually because the rapid response nurses gave zero fucks about that so they'd be real quick to whip him into shape and my god when the icu fellow would come and just like take control i was like thank christ you're here because i've been dealing with this fool all night and he doesn't believe the, yeah the hospitalist yeah. oh god i know right and like, they would take one look at them and validate you. And you're like, I love when you
0: come. Thank you. I know. Like, thank you. Thank you. Let's pat your head. Um, yeah.
1: But sometimes I felt like they lasted because no one was making the, the official call. Yeah. Of like, well, let's keep trying to stabilize them so we can avoid an ICU stay. And I'm like, I hear you. But also, I've got so many other patients. Like, you can only expect people to spend so much time on an unstable patient yeah. in
0: on a floor setting. That Well, if the patient's unstable, they need to move. Correct. That's the bottom line. If you can't, I had so many
1: fights with doctors about that shit.
0: It was that at the
1: place we worked together. Yeah. No, not even in in our. I mean, as a floor nurse, arguing with them about what was appropriate and not to stay on the floor. Yeah,
0: but that's because there's no room in the ICUs there.
1: Well, no. I mean, I at least. It didn't come up like that for us. Mm-hmm. It would be things like, well, just... If we can just keep them here and take their vitals every hour to, to keep an eye on them. And you're like, no, that's like, literally no, ICU that's level literally care. not a thing. Like, that's an ICU. Yeah. Sorry. And, yeah. like, different things like that are, are a lot of arguments about, like, they don't... They didn't want to call a rapid. They... Felt like it was fine, and we'll just keep an eye on them in X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I don't really care what you want to be honest with you. Yeah. Like this, this is my patient too. I'm telling you something is wrong. You're not caring about that. And like, guess what? Mm-hmm. I'm calling a rapid. I really don't care what you think about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's another barrier to calling it too. Is I think especially with new nurses, they're scared. They're scared of like the response from people of like not just am I stupid, but like is the doctor going to be mad at me? Yeah. But the, at the end of the day, like. Look, I escalated to the doctor over and over and over and over, and the- Doctor is not intervening how I need him to intervene to stabilize this patient. And the patient, I mean, you can look at vitals trending and you can be like, this patient is going down the tubes. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because in the ERs, well, we don't call rapids in the ERs, right? Of course not, no. But there's also a lot of ER nurses that don't watch their vitals trends on their patients. That's silly. I'm making a blanket statement, but really, it's (laughs) just a blanket statement about nurses that I've worked with. With at sure. the facilities I've been at. And I have seen numerous nurses not trend vitals on their patients because ER is a very, especially if you're a new nurse. ER is the most task-oriented nursing ever. Mm -hmm. And until you understand more about what you're doing, like, and you're not, you're not critically thinking through your patients. So you're not like, oh, I need to watch this person's vitals closely. Like, I mean, there's people that literally, I just cycle the blood pressure on them every 15 to 30 minutes, like automatically. And then I'll pop in the computer once an hour and just trend their vitals out. And like, it's pretty incredible what you can catch early when you're paying attention. Well, it's exactly right.
1: Because it's not a about a dramatic change the subtle change right. is still telling you something very important
0: and yes, it, they correct. may
1: all be with within normal limits but if mm-hmm. they came in at whatever the hell mm-hmm. like say they came in at you know a heart rate of 70 and over mm-hmm. time they've increased to a heart rate resting heart rate of 90 well i mean mm-hmm. if someone came in at 90 you'd be like all right you right? But a change from from nothing just sitting there in
0: the ER that's not just being anxious
1: that's a change right
0: well and like you know or maybe they're even like border like maybe they're like 105 you know so it's like ah, they're not really tacky I don't really but like okay they came in their heart rate was 70 and now they're throwing pvcs here and there too you know Mm -hmm. and their pressure has dropped a little bit too and you know but it's still within you know so it's like when you trend out that stuff you can see and that's where things like the muse scores come in you know where it's like for those of you Who aren't familiar with MUSCORE, it stands for Modified Early Warning Symptoms or Signs or something like that. It takes your vitals and like your respiratory, like all, it takes your vitals and it basically assigns them a score. And as the vitals get further and further from baseline or they change to be getting further from baseline, your Muse score actually increases. And so when you start seeing that Muse score increase, like that is exactly what it is, a modified early warning sign. So when you see that Muse score increasing, like you need to be thinking to yourself, something's going on with my patient here. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but, and that's where the rapids who, you know, are available to like be a second set of eyes are super important. Maybe I'm just going to create this job where I work and maybe that'll be my new job. I think that's a great idea. Something I was going to say
1: is just as like a moment of empowerment for nurses, Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. we've said this before, and I'm quoting someone when I say this. This is not just my my brain. But you're in a hospital. You as a patient are admitted to a hospital for nursing care. Mm -hmm. Doctor care is what patients go to outpatient for and I mean, I use mm-hmm. those terms generally because of course there's nurse practitioners and you see nurses outpatient blah 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 that's not what sure. I'm talking about 24-7 nursing care is why you're in the hospital mm-hmm. part of that is acting out doctor's orders part of that is procedures and treatment and wounds and all those obviously all the tasky things that we do but a mm-hmm. huge part of that is you have been deemed necessary to have nurses eyes on you 24-7
0: mm-hmm.
1: that means our role is crucially important, duh, we all know that, that we are the eyes on the patient. That's literally why we're there. So any doctor who doesn't take that seriously, that's a failure on their part. Mm -hmm. And you need never be afraid of doing right by your patient. You have the eyes on them. Yeah. Don't let anyone talk you out of your feeling about that.
0: Well, and that's like, that is a catch all. Like if you are doing right by your patient, you'll never be wrong. Correct.
1: I mean, that is just the rule. And there may be times, of course, things are corrupt, things are broken, X, Y, and Z. But if the, often I think we're talking about a conversation between what's right for the patient and someone else's ego.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or not even somebody else's ego, but like we have at our community hospital, here we have a lot of private. Well, I don't want to say a lot. We have a handful of private physicians that still admit patients. Sure. And these are the physicians that won't answer the phone in the middle of the night. Right. These are the ones where I've sent cops to their house. You know. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> so it's like, which, by the way, love that. Love that energy. <laughs> That's big dick energy, and I like it. Yeah. Absolutely. So th- these are the ones that we generally run into a problem. Like we don't have a problem with our hospitalists. Like if we call the hospitalist and we're like who, by the way is awake all night with our patients right. and we're like look we're concerned they come look at the patient mm-hmm. but it's the it's the private physicians who are at home in bed that are like eh, I'll address it in the morning yeah and it's like no 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 you will not address it in the morning because the patient needs you now right the patient needs you now I could really give a flying fuck but no. the if I could patient just give needs the patient meds, you now. meds that they needed I would just give them but I can't exactly exactly. You know, another place where this is like, I feel like we end up running into problems is with patients who are um, on CWA protocol, who are yes. detoxing from alcohol, mm-hmm. because there's not enough intervention and people aren't paying attention to as the SIWA scale is like increasing and increasing. And if you don't notice like the subtle vital changes and stuff like that, like they end up going from like zero to 20 in literally an hour because you weren't paying attention to the creep yeah so that's like an and then almost uh, like i've had either like a um like a whatever you want to call the code when you have a violent patient like at your facility whatever they're calling them nowadays yeah, whatever color you call it yeah so they are we either end up having that or rapid on the patient because the vitals are so out of whack and and it's like if you would have just paid attention to those subtle changes and medicated early with in accordance with see what protocol mm-hmm. like you would have been fine which you know, by the but, way is a
1: very generous protocol
0: in my opinion yeah well it's objective you know that's what i mean it's like if you wanted to slam it with van, you totally excuse could. me it's yeah it's subjective yeah, yeah. absolutely i mean there's times where I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a five. I'll give that a four. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, oh, you now you need four of ativan now. Okay, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here you go. <laughs> but I mean, like, I've done it enough where I feel comfortable. Like, I can look at somebody and be like, this patient is withdrawing and they need meds. Yeah. Versus like, okay, they're telling me all the right things to get a high score, but they're fine right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's where I'm at with rapids. And as far as like the egos of nurses that are in rapids. Like, can we all just knock that shit off? Knock it off. If there's a rapid called, just... Go and tend to the patient and like, you know, if there's some room for education with a new nurse, like maybe if we are the responders to the rapid, do some investigating as to whether that nurse is a new nurse or not. And then maybe debrief with them afterwards and be like, do you have any questions? Is there anything we could have done differently? And if you feel like
1: that's not your job, then you shouldn't be. Yeah,
0: I I 100% think that a rapid nurse also needs to be an educator. I agree.
1: It's not just about your clinical knowledge. It's just—it's more than that. It just is because whether or not the clinical knowledge is. is- 100% crucial, granted. It comes with the same idea that, like, you can be a really smart, brilliant nurse, but if you're a dick to your patients, you can't be a nurse. Right. You can't abuse your
0: patients, right? So why would we say that you can abuse staff? Right. Well, and I feel like um, when I say an educator, I don't n- mean that that needs to be part of the title. No, no, no. As part of I those, just know, mean, like, you have to have the spirit, yeah, the spirit yeah. of an educator, where, like, because I would be very interested to look at the research and see how many rapids are called on patients of newer nurses versus okay. patients of older nurses. that would or, be very interesting. Just say older, I mean more experienced, more experienced. nurses. Well, I, I
1: don't know, to be honest with you, because patients are going to deteriorate regardless of
0: nursing intervention at times. At times. But if you look, if you took like a, a big N, right, for, if we're talking statistics, so if you have a big N. I would venture to guess that a more experienced nurse is intervening earlier before a rapid is necessary. Sure. Sure. I mean, that would be my hypothesis in it, yeah. right? I mean, well, let's do some research. I would be interested to see what the research shows. <laughs> I wish up we there. had
1: the budget for that.
0: God, I just love statistics. I know how you do.
1: I, I just. Well, love and that them. <laughs> brings. I was going to say this too. Like nursing, I would say medicine in general is a combination of objective and subjective data. Correct. Art so, and science. Correct. Yes. So you are looking at the numbers, the labs, the vitals, mm-hmm. and then you're looking literally at how the patient looks. We call it the look yeah. test. If they look like mm-hmm. shit. I'm not letting them discharge. Something's yeah. not right. The numbers haven't reflected it yet, especially with kids where they yeah. hold on for so long and then crump yeah. so fast. Ugh yeah and it's the the intricacies and the delicacies of medicine and ex- and honestly with
0: experience that keep patients safe so true Sarah so uh, true spoken like an angel
1: Aww, an angel without wings, Aww. so a person. <laughs> a hero (laughs) oh oh. god what did i see the other day oh oh my god it was a i can't wait it was a picture it was on reddit or something um maybe instagram of someone was advertising a podcast Mm -hmm. a hospital this was not a hospital was advertising a podcast and it was called Healthcare heroes and it was like a podcast about the people that make a difference and i was like ew i'm gonna vomit 45 times
0: <laughs> also can you please post a picture of your covid vaccine and the uh rec number of it the lot number <laughs> I need to see all the data. I need you to prove that you got it. Oh, my God. I can't. No, please don't. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, what else do we have to say about rapids? Anything? Oh, I don't know.
1: I mean, I think they're great. And I think that people's attitudes need to adjust. And that's how I feel about medicine in general.
0: Well, I mean, that is true. But I just wish that there were more rapid response nurses who had the spirit of educators. And I just wish that there was like a different. Oh, you know, I'll finish this first. God, Uh, um, my brain—it just goes faster than my mouth can work. Um, so anyway, I wish that there was a different cultural view around rapids, and I wish that there was more like education and a spirit of education around it. But I also want people to not be afraid to call them at all. Like, if you are concerned, call a rapid. Period. Who cares? Like, what anybody thinks about it. Like, if they walk off going, like, I can't believe they called a rapid, who cares? You did right by your patient. That's all that matters.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And I'll put the call to action on both sides, right? So we've already told the rapid response nurses, yes, I'm looking at you, how you're acting. You need to shape it up. But the nurse is calling them. Everyone can have a slice of humble pie together. It can be a shared Mm -hmm. experience, especially if you can feel the attitude and the vibe from somebody. Now, they may not be receptive, whatever. If they're not, then that's their problem. You've done your due diligence. But Mm -hmm. offer up yourself for learning, too. You can mm-hmm. ask questions. When well, you know patients, Absolutely. once the patient's stable, whether you know, you can say you can ask for a debrief. You can ask if there are things that you could have done differently. You can assert yourself to learn from this. Yeah, 100 percent That's a good point. And you can still shove their attitude up your ass. Like that it does not matter. It still doesn't yeah. matter. Anyone you, ego you know, doesn't you've matter. Said,
0: you've said shove it up your ass several times today, and I feel like there's a theme. Do we need to talk privately? I'm not gonna discuss this on air. <laughs> I'm not editing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, one other thing I wanted to say about Rapids is who responds to them. I firmly, 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 firmly believe that there should be a pharmacist on that team. i agree. Because I have been, now maybe your place is big enough where you have a rapid team and a code team. I haven't worked at many places where they're different. Like I've, in fact, only the place we work together. But most places, the rapid team is also the code team. Although there might be a few more people on the code team. We've had lately a ton of times where we're in a rapid or a code and we need a medication made up quickly mm-hmm. sure. and you have to like call down to pharmacy and sit on their hold line oh. and you're like, I'm literally in the middle of a rapid and I need this med. And then they get on the phone and I'm like, I need this med made. And they're like, well, who's the patient? I don't see an order for it. And you're yeah. like, you don't understand. I'm in a rapid and I freaking need levofed like immediately mm-hmm. or like I need an epi drip Like right now. Well, as soon as the order comes in, no, you don't. Like the last one, the last code I was at, we were coding the patient in the CT scanner. Okay. There was. Everybody was writing on paper towels. Like, yeah. there wasn't a computer. The pharmacist was like, okay, as soon as I see that order, I was like, listen, I'm in the CT scanner. Nobody's putting in this order. Like, I need this drip made. Yeah. Can you please make an epi drip? And he's like, who's the patient? I'll put in the order myself. I was like, okay, great. Thank you. Very helpful. Well, 10 minutes later, I call him. Like, have you tubed up that drip yet? And he's like, I don't have a weight on the patient. And I'm like, so 10 so minutes you were just going to go sit there ask- and
1: wait and do nothing?
0: And wait. Exactly. And I'm maybe so having I'm them like, there would make them see the urgency in a way that they can't
1: see down in the in the pharmacy.
0: I know. The other thing was, I was at a separate code, and we had gone through two crash carts of Epi, and we had used all the Epi out of the Pixis. Oh my god! And so I called the pharmacist. I mean, we've been coding this person for forever. So I so we had used all the Epi on the unit. So I called down to the pharmacist, and I was like, "I need more Epi. Can you send us more Epi?" And the pharmacist was like. I mean, you have two crash carts up there. And I was like, yes, we've gone through them all. Can you please send Epi? And they're like, what about the Pixis? I'm like, we've gone through all the Epi. Can you send me more? Like, what literally is the problem? I mean, literally, is it coming out of your personal budget? I'm like, just send us the freaking Epi. Like, I like, I introduce myself when I call as the nursing supervisor. Like, I'm not some rando calling you. Okay, yeah, you can, like, I'm standing yes, at I the, check code. the fridge.
1: I, like, me, I'm literally the ask.
0: supervisor of the hospital. You should be giving me whatever I'm asking for. <laughs> like, I can't escalate any higher than myself right now. So just give me the meds. Like, but so I really feel like pharmacists should be on the team in order to help facilitate stat meds that need to be done, in order to facilitate making sure meds are there, the appropriate doses, get mixing the meds. I just think that needs to be a part of the team.
1: I'll never forget one time we were having a code on my unit and somebody asked for a bag of, what is does Levo mixed in is a D- five, four, five, maybe, whatever. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah.
0: I haven't mixed leave in a while. All they
1: asked for was that they didn't say a bag of it. They just said like, I need this. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think D 50. And so my friend goes to the, goes to the, um, Pyxis and pulls out like an amp that you would give a patient oh, for uh, blood sugar. Oh God. like Why do you think they need this? And I was like, I don't think they need that. I think they need a bag to mix a med. <laughs> And so we went back and forth a bunch of times. So I was like, well, let's just bring them both because now it's taking too long. And they I mean, the scathing look that we got for it was priceless, of course. And I'm like, I'm
0: so sorry. I needed more information. I don't know what you need. I don't run codes. <laughs> oh, my God. The judgment. I, and I get the judgment. Just can we all stop with the judgment?
1: I'm just tired of this like medical superiority because you were trained
0: in a different way than I was. Like, we're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm with you. Okay. Right. Um, well, I have a little funny story real quick. It's very quick. And then we'll go we'll head out for the day. I'm ready. So I was rounding in my ear the other day. And all of a sudden I hear code blue, ER three. And I'm like, code blue to the ER. Like I'm in the ER. Yeah. And that's weird. Well, there had been an ambulance that had just come in and I'm like, and they were actually in room three and I was at the other end of the ER. So I'm like, what is like, why are we calling a code overhead to the ER? That's bizarre. We never call codes down here, but I'm like, maybe, may, I'm, this is what's going on in my head in like a split second. Right. Which is like, maybe that something happened with the ambulance person that just came in and maybe they need more hands or you know whatever so I go down there and that patient is awake and talking and I'm like okay well it's not that so I'm like doing a loop I'm like where the hell is this code and like everybody's responding to the ER and nobody knows like where this code is and we're like literally what's going on uh yeah they called the code to the wrong hospital (gasps) how who because the operator answers for multiple hospitals
1: oh boy and everyone at the other hospitals like where the fuck Where is, is our thing?
0: help? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I mean, so that's not stupid. funny. That's, could you imagine like being a nurse, like thumping on a chest by yourself? Like, somebody relieve me. <laughs> somebody, please help, please. Oh my God. There is nothing that makes time stand still like two minutes of CPR. That's exactly right. That's so <laughs> funny and unfortunate. So, like, they're just sitting there, like, oh my God, I've been doing CPR for seven and a
1: half minutes. Well, normally it's like 45 people come sprinting into the room at full yeah. speed,
0: and you're like, we don't right. need this many people. Hold on. I I know you're like get out get out and like the, oh i felt and that's exactly what i i was like listen like it's it's one thing for all of us to be running around like chickens with our head cut offs looking for a code it's another thing for the other hospital who's like where's my help where's my help
1: please somebody oh my god that's oh such my shame. god
0: we, we had know. a patient one
1: time pull the code button or push the code button for for himself like in his own room okay and he thought quote unquote i thought it was to call the nurse stop and we were like so when you flipped literally i watched the nurse say this because she just took no shit which i loved about her and she was like (laughs) so you pulled up a plastic cover looked at a blue button that said code blue on it and thought that that would call the nurse right you've used your call light earlier in the shift right (laughs) and of course like he was probably trying to just be a you know i wanted attention yeah. faster or whatever yeah. maybe he just literally right, right. was like what'll happen if i press this oh my so God. of course people come sprinting from all over because even if you cancel it once right. the page has gone out they're coming it doesn't matter
0: right yeah and so people oh kept God. barging
1: into his room and he was like can we like it's, it's, i thought you said it's been canceled can you stop people from coming into the room like can you intervene and she went
0: nope And just walked out of the room. I would literally, I'd just be like, every five minutes, somebody walk in that room. Yeah. (laughs) For the rest of the night. For the rest of the night. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. Well, listen, that brings us to an end of Rapid Response Teams. We hope you enjoyed hearing about them, and we hope that it will cause you to have new behaviors during, before, and after a Rapid. Please be kind to your coworkers and stop being so fucking judgy. (laughs) this is jamie and sarah signing off signing off uh salute uh you guys have a be- <laughs> beautiful week make sure you write us with any feedback suggestions topic requests things like that we always love hearing from you we love getting all the fan mail it's so much fun to read it's so great and we love getting suggestions for topics and stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let us know all your feedback. We love hearing it at Nurse Coffee Talk on Instagram or via Gmail, nursecoffee talk at gmail.com. You guys have a beautiful week. Love each other. We love you. And talk to you later. Bye.